Oh, good morning. What's a fake? Something that pretends to be something it's not? And usually uh, they, they end up disappointing you, misleading you, burning you. Uh, we get some fakes. I get fakes on my computer. Uh, I got one the other day from HCF saying I'd uh, given, paid them $991. I'm a member of HCF thinking, when did I do that? So I had to go through my records. I didn't do it. It's a fake. Uh, it was designed that you would tap in and find out about it, and then they'd get you. Um, there's lots of fakes. I mean, I get them from time to time. You know, your Westpac bank account is in you know, da da da. I've got a Westpac bank account. That's pretty easy. Delete that one. Austin George, same. Delete that one. And they just come on the computer. Uh, they're out in society. They're everywhere. Uh, they can get into your bank accounts, can't they? Uh, so we know in our church. Um, in social media, that's a really uh, challenging place for fakes. Uh, to watch out for fakes. Uh, I went to a police conference earlier in the year and they were saying that uh, there's been an alarming increase uh, which has been testified this week by a 44-year-old man in the Central Coast who was arrested for uh, stalking and arranging to meet on social media a 12-year-old girl um, and pretending to be a teenager. And that's common. Uh, and there's a special police group that just do that, that pretend they're teenagers to catch these stalkers. Um, but they're out there. And uh, the big problem is um, you think you're communicating to someone you don't know. There's fakes out there trying to trap us and mislead us. In Peter's day, there wasn't social media. There wasn't telephones. Uh, they, they, didn't, they just had pen and paper. They well, didn't even have paper, the papyrus and stuff. Uh, they could write letters, but it was, communication was mostly verbal, face-to-face. -face. You could see people. But there were fakes around. And there are people, even today, people who say that they're Christians um, and they'll help you to find a better way to get to heaven and a better way to be a stronger Christian, uh, but in the end they'll take you away from following Jesus. They pretend. They're fakes. And Peter's contesting with that, and we contest that more now because nowadays we get, or I get, so much um, information coming to me from so many sources promising me this, promising that, uh, and, and groups and people groups in society saying this, uh, you sort of think, well, what is the right way for me to live as a Christian? What is the right way for me to grow as a Christian? And Peter challenges that. He comes and points the right way here because he's got false apostles, people who are saying they, they have God-given authority and have been sent by God to, with a message, but it's a false teaching, he says, and they're producing false disciples. And that really is a problem. And he talks about them teaching made-up stories that are not true, and he'll tell us what's true. You see, Peter, in the beginning of 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter's son Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter uh, was a fisherman called by Jesus to follow him in Matthew chapter 1 is recorded. And he was told that um, he would become a fisher of men. He was with Jesus three years. And at the end of that time when Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus told Peter uh, to feed my sheep and also told Peter before he died that Peter will be the rock on whom I build my church. Peter had an important role. And he describes himself as a servant, uh, someone who's a willing disciple who's out there serving others and serving others by making sure they know what is the gospel, what is the true message about Jesus. He's one of the 12 chosen disciples. He was there commissioned by Jesus when Jesus rose from the dead and the end of Jesus' time on earth, he commissioned Peter and the other disciples. And so he's a direct source of the gospel. He's a direct source of the message of Jesus. And that's why he's writing this letter recorded for us. 
And he says in verse 2, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, grace is God's generous heart uh, who treats sinful men and women as he lovingly wishes rather than as we actually deserve. He doesn't punish us. And the result of God's grace is his rightful anger towards our disobedience is appeased by Jesus' sacrifice. And we now have peace with God. And knowledge is mentioned continually through this letter. It's a very prominent theme because Peter's combating false and dangerous teaching. Um, and the best way to do that is to state what is true knowledge, what is right. You see, Gnostic teaching at that time and even today, a Gnostic teaching sort of says we've got special insight, special revelation. You needed to be saved. You needed to grow as a Christian. You needed to be uh, doing things as a Christian. You need what we have. And Peter will take that up. He'll talk about knowledge many times. And firstly, in verses 2, 3 and 8, uh, the word translated knowledge in the English here is actually the Greek word epignosis. And that means it's knowledge of God and of Jesus coming to us. It's a gift, initial gift. And it's that free grace that comes to all true believers. You and I didn't find God. He found us. He revealed to us who he is and who his son is. And so um, this new teaching that the others are bringing along is, is actually causing the Christians to doubt, saying, well, you know, maybe we need more. Maybe we haven't got it right. Um, they're not sure of their standing. And, and Peter's saying, no, you're, you've got it right. You've been given the knowledge in the beginning. Don't move away from that. And then he talks about another knowledge in verses 5, 6, and chapter 3, verse 18. This word he uses here is gnosis. Uh, which distinguishes from knowledge given um, and knowledge that's gained. And here he's talking about gaining knowledge or growing in knowledge. And it's talking about the, as you live out the Christian life, as you have this knowledge by which you then have faith, now you have to gain this knowledge. And we'll look at that in a moment. In verse 3, his divine power has given everything we need for life and godliness. We don't need extra stuff. We've got it in what we have in Jesus Christ. And God calling us and God's committed to us. He can be relied upon. Everything we need, he's provided all we need. There is no secrets that we need to know about. Verse 16a, Peter talks about these secrets. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories. That's what he's calling this false teaching, all these secrets, all these extra knowledge. Cleverly devised stories to mislead them. When we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus in Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter was an eyewitness. He was an eyewitness uh, through uh, Jesus' life and the miraculous things he did, the way he confronted evil, the way he healed. He was there at the transfiguration when Jesus was up on the mountain and uh, God spoke out of heaven and said, this is my son whom I pleased with. He was there. He was an eyewitness of Jesus' death on the cross. He was an eyewitness of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. An eyewitness. And so he can be relied upon. Verse 4. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that we can participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption of the world 
caused by its evil desires. The word corruption of the world, corruption stands out at me. It doesn't say the world's bad. If something's corrupt, it's inherently bad. It's totally bad. It's not just skimming over a little bit of bad. It's all bad. It's no good for you. It's corrupt. And he's talking about these precious promises to participate in the divine nature. God working in us. God living in us by his spirit. Uh, maybe Peter's recalling when he heard Jesus in John chapter 14, verses 15 to 17. Jesus said that he's going to send the Holy Spirit when he goes into heaven. The Holy Spirit will come in them and teach them in all truth and help them to live out as followers of Jesus Christ. Peter's remembering that, the divine nature, the Holy Spirit coming to live in us. And to me, this next part is the real rubber hits the road. Verse 5, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Make every effort to add. It's not saying you have faith and works. It's not saying that faith and other things save you. No, faith saves you. Faith is vitally important. But faith doesn't just stop there because James said, we need, if you've got faith, you have actions, don't you? You live it out. Faith is not something that's in your head only and doesn't impact how you live your life. And that's what he's saying here. You need faith will actually, things will come out. Look what he says will come out of faith. Add to your faith goodness. Our goodness is that whole excellence of God, being like God. Um, what, does, what pleases God? What is good in God's eyes? That is goodness. God defines goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. Uh, knowledge is that knowledge that's growing and learning, uh, understanding how to respond to Jesus Christ, understanding how to respond to the world, and the Bible is that source of that knowledge. And so if we're living goodness... Uh, by understanding the knowledge and living that out, then we need something to go with that. And that's the third thing, self-control. Because there's no good uh, wanting to do what's good and having the knowledge, but we need the self-control to direct that, to control that, to resist the problems in the world around us. Self-control to respond in a disciplined way, in a God-pleasing way. And it needs to be more than a token effort. If we do this sometimes, because that's where the next point, the fourth point comes in, add to that perseverance. Perseverance is that just keep on, keep on, keep on. That's that running the race, the marathon, the Christian life, of not resisting to temptation and, and detouring or taking a time out from following Jesus and just being captivated in our heart, in our emotions, by Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done, and we just long to please him. We long to live for him, and we persevere. And so that goodness, that knowledge, that self-control, and that perseverance will end up resulting in godliness, the fifth point. And that will be a genuine reverence for God that, that governs our attitudes in every aspect of life. It won't be what people merely see. It will be what God sees, what he sees as our motives, what we do in private. And godliness will cover everything of who we are and will continually want to please God our creator and Jesus Christ our saviour. And those five things, and what are they again? What's the first one? Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, 
will all then come towards brotherly kindness. It won't be just going out there anywhere. It'll be warm-hearted affection towards people of the family of faith, recognising our brothers and sisters in God's family. It'll be a care that is a deeper and more personal way in exercising all those five things and now the sixth. And then it comes to the final one. All those are going somewhere. And they're going somewhere for love. Because we often talk about love. What does it mean? You know, it's an airy-fairy word. And love is just not a feeling or an emotion. It's got to have substance to it. We know in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 3, we can do all sorts of powerful ministries in the church, but if we don't have love in those ministries, God says they count to nothing. They're a wasted effort. They're worthless. So love is important. We often read in the Bible of, of faith and, and, and love and hope going together. Over and over and over we read that. And here we're actually starting to see what love's going to look like where it's going to be coming from, where it's going to be grounded in as we reach this seventh point. And this is going to be a, a driving, motivational part of our life, taking us in a certain direction. And verse 8, it's important we do this. Look at verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, not just you've got them, but increasing, growing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Knowledge, that, that revelation at the beginning of knowing who Jesus is and what he's done, your response of faith. Now to be productive in that, you need these seven qualities and you need to be increasing in them, growing in them. Otherwise, you're going to be unproductive. You can be doing things in the church, you can be doing things for Jesus, but if they don't have these seven things here, it's not worth it. It's not pleasing to God. It's not pleasing to Jesus. These are vital. And it's part of who we are as a church. I mean, our mission, we say, is to connect, to build friendships, to grow in Christ, to commit to making disciples. We've already realised we need to keep growing in Christ. Here's telling us how. And when are we going to stop growing? When we get to a certain age, a certain position in the church, or done certain things in the church? When do we stop growing as a follower of Jesus Christ? When we get to heaven. When we get there. That's when we stop growing. But all this side of heaven. And sometimes I think, hang on, as I get older, I can't be doing more. That may be true, but... We keep growing because as you get older and certain limitations kick in and you can become more anxious and worried and what do you do? But that's when you're growing in your trust and relying on Jesus more and more and more. And that's where you start growing in your prayer time or your personal time with people. Maybe you can't run around do so much or maybe the time of life stops you from running around because of children or whatever it is, but you still keep growing. And growing is not something that you do if you want to do. It's not just an optional extra. It's an important and vital part. If we're not growing, the corruption of the world around us threatens to overtake us. We need to keep growing. And these seven ways are ways to keep growing. And stop being ineffective and unproductive. So he says in verse 9, he talks about being nearsighted and blind. People who close their eyes to the truth. And then he goes on in verse 10 to talk. Let me read it out. Verse 10. 
Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. You receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Make our election and calling sure. Because you know why that'll be sure? We'll know in ourselves, but other people will see that we belong to Jesus. We're living out the life of following Jesus. We're doing our motto is living lives for Jesus. We'll know it. Other people will see it. That's how our, our election scene is sure. Not that we some stamp, but living it out. And Peter goes on in verse 12 to say he's reminding of these things. Verse 13, refreshing your memory. Verse 15, always be able to remember. To Peter, these things are vital. These seven qualities are vital that Christians recognise them, not just recognise them, but actually make them a priority and go and do them. Now you and I can recognise them this morning, we can walk out the door and five minutes later we can forget them. How are we going to remember them this week? You know, the old way used to be write them on a bit of paper, put them up somewhere. You can do that. I've heard the stories, you, know, you put them on your, in the mirror where you have a shave in the morning or do your teeth or you put them up you know, where you do the washing up or where you eat your food or somewhere where you go and sit, you put them up. Or you can put them on your phone if you want to be technical. But there's something that we need to keep looking at and keep saying, hey, this is important. And keep growing in because we don't want to be overtaken by the world around us and become lukewarm to following Jesus. We don't want to take that detour or be distracted. We want to keep growing in him. And it'll be good to us. I know, you know, you ever felt lethargic and you know, worn out and run down and stuff? Or have you felt bursting with energy and ready to go? Which one would you rather be? Bursting with energy, ready to go. I think it's the one we'd all want. And these will help us to do that. In our life with Jesus, we'll be fired up when we keep these as a focus. Well, it's a challenge, isn't it? A challenge for all of us. Uh, I've got a lot of growing to do. We've all got a lot of growing to do. Let me pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for showing Peter these truths. Thank you for passing them down to us. And Lord, we want to be people who so value Jesus, so treasure him. We want to live our lives for him. We want to please you. And Lord, we don't want to uh, be distracted away by the world around us. Help us to be people who, who in our faith, uh, understand what is goodness, understand about how we get knowledge and grow in it, understand the importance of self-control and to persevere, and that we might be godly in all that we do, and that we might show brotherly kindness to those around us, which then grows to real, true Christian love. Help us to be those people, Lord. Amen.